You know, when it comes to wireless carriers, sometimes what you see isn't always what you get. Except with Visible. With Visible, what you see is exactly what you get. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. With Visible, there are no hidden fees, no fine print, no hassle, nothing to hide. It's just $25 a month, all taxes and fees included. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. You can save on a line all to yourself with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And again, just $25 a month. The future of wireless is here and it is transparent. If you want more transparency in your wireless plan, you want to be on the Visible plan. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. That's Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. This episode of GameScoop is sponsored by Squarespace. If you're looking for a way to make your business stand out and succeed online, Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for you. They take the stress out of creating an awesome website, engaging with your audience, and selling anything from products to content to time so you're able to focus on, you know, everything else. In other words, you'll have more time for gaming. With the new guided design system, you can choose from curated layouts and styling options to build a unique online presence from the ground up, optimized for every device. And with Squarespace's integrated, optimized SEO tools, you'll show up more often to more people. Squarespace doesn't just make things easier for you. Checkout for your customers is made seamless with simple but powerful payment tools that allow you to accept credit cards, PayPal, and Apple Pay, and in eligible countries, offer the option to buy now and pay later with Afterpay and Clearpay. So whether you're just starting out or looking to expand your existing brand, be sure to visit squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com gamescoop for 10% off. What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN Gamescoop. I'm your host, Damon Hatfield. I'm joined today by Sam Claiborne, Caleb Lawson, Hello. and Brian Altano. Rap, rap. And we're talking about Tomb Raider. We've all been playing Tomb Raider, and I think it's safe to say we all really like Tomb Raider. Yes, absolutely. Right. Brian and Caleb have both finished the game. I'm well into it, and Sam is even farther than I am into it. Uh, now, the game includes these death animations for Lara Croft. Uh, they're pretty grisly. Pretty, I, I would uh, liken them to what we see in Resident Evil 4 yeah. and, and uh, Dead, Dead Space. Space, that sort of thing. We, yeah. have, we have clips of exactly what we're talking about uh, right here. If we can pull it up, up on the monitor. Very grisly death animations for Lara Croft. Like, oh, no. what's, what's this one? Like this one. It's just on a rope. Oh, this one's horrible. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> right through the throat. Oh! <laughs> so I that, didn't even see that one. No, it's a Struggling and everything. Yeah. It's probably the worst one. Uh, it's similar um, to the one that, that we see when she's in the, the rapids going down and she gets impaled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of uh, impaling. So there's a lot of these just sort of sprinkled throughout oh, the game. It's fun because you can you like, to see your face, know. you know. <laughs> so these are in the game. <laughs> I God, I, I watched <laughs> watching them all in succession really does hammer it. Oh, oh, I'm like, I'm like, we're giggling and stuff, but like, I don't find these funny. I find them like terrifying. Well, so and, and they're really hard to watch. This is this is what brings us to our to today's topic. Under normal circumstances, it, we would often do a kill montage or a death montage in games like Dead Space and Resident Evil. Yeah, in Dead Space, you see a guy getting chopped up by a fan. You're like, ha, 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 ha yeah. you know? Um, but this, the, when we talked about possibly doing this for Tomb Raider, that made some of us uncomfortable. I wonder why, see, I, why that I, is. I agreed to do your show today, Mr. Hatfield, because I love your show. Yes. This is great. 
But I hadn't seen some of those. Oh, wait. <laughs> the dude. rope through the neck thing, that is horrible. Well, oh, God. Why are you prefacing that you don't want to be on the show now? No, I, I do. I was just like, damn, I knew, I knew we were talking about death animations. I don't know we're going to talk about those death animations. Your, did your opinion change? I mean, I don't... I don't. No, because we were already talking about... Uh, so you've beaten one, the game and you didn't even see some I of I never those. saw those. I guess I'm better than whoever was playing that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I didn't die in those ways. I died in other horribly uncomfortable ways. Those were rough. Yeah. The, neck, the rope neck thing, that is... She's like trying to pull it out <laughs> oh. for like two seconds. That, and even know, if she does, oh. she's like 100 feet in the air. Like, you're not going to get out of that. Yeah. Is the difference because the death animations are more gruesome than normal, or is it because she's a woman? Um, so I think it's... It, there's something weird about this game in that it, it, it starts you off, and it's, it's like you take on this persona, and it's about like keeping this, this person alive. Whether or not it's a man or a woman, like she goes through all this stuff where they, they, you know, a lot of video games, they start you with things and then take everything away. And Tomb Raider kind of does this well. Where all of a sudden you're, you know, you're beaten, battered, and you're like, I gotta get this girl. She can barely even walk. She can, can't even cross this river, okay. I have to get her to safety. So when she actually does get hurt, it feels horrible. Like it's really <laughs> real and it really affects you. It's sort of like the first time you saw the kid die in Limbo, you're like, I'm just gonna walk through these woods. I don't know what's going on. It's like, oh, you got impaled in the face. Oh, that's horrible. Whereas, you know, Dead Space, Resident Evil, you're playing Resident Evil 4, and all of a sudden the guy with a potato sack and a chainsaw runs up behind you, and he's like, ah, and everyone's screaming Spanish. He, he cuts your head off. With and he cuts your head off. So, or like so, a, 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 a insect comes and vomits acid on your face. <laughs> it's cartoony and it's there's ridiculous. Cer- there's certain yeah. scenes in Resident yeah. Evil. So I've been thinking about this a lot, and those two examples are perfect for Resident Evil. Uh, the first time I saw Leon kind of get chopped in half by the, the chainsaw, because you're kind of fighting, yeah. he struggles, and then it just buzzes through him. You see way too much of that. Um, I, I almost felt the same way about it in that game, mm-hmm. and so it makes me question whether um, whether it's you know it's because you know Lara Croft's a woman or anything like that. That said, there's a lot of scenes in which uh, you're kind of being you know choked to death by men and and kind of uh, almost like uh, you know violent scenes that you don't even see in movies that much because yeah. th- they're mm-hmm. they're they're they kind of represent re- like realistic violence too much. Yeah. Instead of the cartoon violence we've been talking about. Yeah. yeah absolutely. I mean that's sort of I think. Hits the nail on the head. When I was playing the game, the death animations didn't bother me mm-hmm. because, as a gamer, I feel somewhat desensitized to that. Not desensitized to the real world of violence, sure. but, but desensitized to it within the context of a game. Sure. Yeah, we've seen Isaac Clarke get chopped up a billion times, we've seen Leon Kennedy get chopped up a billion times. The difference here is the context, right? Yeah. I mean, like when a necromorph cuts off Isaac's head and there's a 10 feet of arterial spray, like, <laughs> you expect that. It's a horror game, it's part yeah. of the genre, and it's part of the overall tone that's set within that game. And Tomb Raider does such a fantastic job of setting up Lara as a real person mm-hmm. that this weird, like, video gamey flourish just kind of seems like the wrong tone. It seems out of context. It really seems out of place. And I think, and we mentioned this, um, Kaz McDonald, who reviewed it for IGN, mentioned this in their official review that you have this first, the first time you kill someone in the game. You know, it's that, like, much talked about scene mm-hmm. where there's a guy and he, like, maybe making some sort of aggressive sexual advances on you, you steal his gun or whatever, you kill him, he's gone. And it's like, oh shit! And she gets up and she's like, "This is," she's got to like process. She's like this covered stuff. in blood. Yeah, right? and it's like, oh my god, I can't believe it did that. And then ten minutes later, you're running through the woods. You're not even ten everybody. minutes later. Yeah, not even ten <laughs> minutes later. Scene. Yeah, and, and by, by the end everybody. of the game, you've killed thousands of people, and I'm sure all of them got arrows to the eye or like a shrapnel bomb hit them or something like that. But you never see like really like sometimes there's 
you'll run up and somebody stab him in the head or something like that. But there are moments in this game where a guy grabs you, holds you up by the throat, just takes like a sword and just goes right through your face. And Tomb Raider is always and it goes through the back of your head. <laughs> Tomb Raider has always had death animations. I remember even back like in the first original Tomb Raider on the PlayStation. Hearing like, that crunch, like yeah, when you oh, fell too far. You, and you remember, remember diving, like diving yeah, off of like absolutely. the third story, oh, yeah. and that the, was yeah, always body crumpling, like, oh. or you fall into a spi- uh, uh, like a pit of spikes, mm-hmm. and she gets impaled, or mm-hmm. a boulder rolls over you, and there's that crunching. But I mean, what's the goal of it now? I, I understand then, right? Like you're at a graphical place where maybe you need to telegraph, like, hey, this so, is why you died. So you, you, you asked what the goal of it now. Sam previously made an interesting yeah. point that he feels it's a game mechanic because it, exactly. it gives you extra incentive to not die because yes. you don't want to see yes. these awful yeah. animations. Yeah. I yeah, think that's yeah. interesting. Or, or, and especially if you see them once, like there's a, a, a one-death animation in which you uh, just get, fall in some water where you're not supposed to be. You can swim in this game pretty freely, but sometimes you fall in water and uh, you get kind of crushed against this coral. And it happens really suddenly, and again, it's it's a very violent kind of head impact thing, um, and you don't fall into the water again after that. You know, it's yeah. like you stop testing out well, the jumps the a little and bit more there's, there's and stuff. Two, there's it just two types you. of death animations in the games. There's the ones where something bad happens to you and it immediately fades to black, and then there's the ones where the worst thing ever happens to you. There's no in between. It's not and like those are all context sensitive yeah, too. Like you've seen games where somebody falls in the water and they're like. Whoa, and then just fades to black because they mm-hmm. drown. But this is like, now we're going to smack her head against some rocks, like, <laughs> and then she's, she's like, ah, and blood spots and shoots out, and it's, she like floats up a little bit. <laughs> so I think it's we, so gross. And, and we all agree, and I'm not sure if you do, Caleb, that, that I think it has a place in the game, and I think it's good, good in the game. It's just, and the reason why we're talking about it is because we're just not making a death montage because mm-hmm. we feel like maybe pulling it out from the game, yeah. it feels a little bit uncomfortable. Well, I, I and that's, that's really interesting. I don't need yeah. it in the game, okay. but I, I absolutely understand that. And I mean, maybe that does even go further in establishing the fact that this is a real person because you're seeing these deaths. They're, they're so horrible and they're so visceral because you know that's what happens when you die in these horrible situations. Yeah. Yeah, and I think a lot of it has to do with the setting. I don't know why. It's sort of just like being in a forest in the middle of the woods and all of a sudden a wolf kills you. It's different than being on a spaceship where you're like, there's crewmen, there's health packs, there's a medical lab around the corner. Everything's all high tech. Let's say, you know, one day in the distant future when we when space travel is possible, that will be our reality. And I know. And it won't seem so... Well, then it's not, so then it's not science fiction anymore. <laughs> To me, it's just like when you see a branch go through somebody in the woods, it's like, oh, they are so far from a hospital. That's my first go-to. You, you know, another thing they do in this game is they elevate pain a lot, and so she's kind of whimpering yeah. a oh, lot. Yeah. And kind yeah. of, and it, it, it's because she has an initial injury in the game, yeah. and I think that's a struggle throughout the game. And at one point, you know, you, you get beat up in different ways, yeah. and then she starts reacting more and more to those. So when you see, you know... <laughs> any extension of that violence. You're like, it's already seems like a struggle to do certain things, like, oh, yeah. like jump and stuff like that, which you do in game, which I think is brilliant. I think yeah. it's a really yeah, cool thing. Yeah, because you're used so to climbing all a, over the place. It's very I personal just, in the game. I just played through a sequence uh, last night where you know you mentioned that injury you sustained early in the game. That becomes so bad that she can't even like yeah. climb yeah. up on a ledge. Yeah, yeah. So, and you're yeah. walking by ledges sure, and you're cool. like, I'm so used to going up there. Yeah, and no, she's she like, can't no, do that. It's like, yeah, no. it's good. Yeah. It's, it's really hard to watch. So like when we, you know, we had a clip of just like three or four of those death animations earlier. There's many, many more in the game. Yeah, like dozens. When we saw just those few together, we were like, oh. <laughs> and then when we started thinking about cutting like a long video together, it started to feel like, I think, like a snuff film. Well, yeah, what, yeah. <laughs> what's the point of it, right? right. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I, I do think that no, Genuinely, fake, what is the point yeah, of it? So yeah. I do think fake violence can be very entertaining, you know. Uh, yeah. and Super Meat Boy? 
Well, sure, but I mean, <laughs> yeah. like, even like a movie like Drive, you know, or even uh -huh. like a, just that's, Mortal Kombat. That's just one example. Um, and when I play the game, like, I do sort of get a thrill out of these death animations, but that I realize that it comes with a trade-off uh, uh, believing this world uh, in a, as being realistic, you know? Yeah. I, I think as soon as you are invested in believing this is a realistic world, then the death can't be entertaining, right? Mm -hmm. Enjoyable. So mm -hmm. I, I realize it's a fine totally. line and to like walk. They're, they're totally uh, treading this like uncanny valley thing with the game, because I've been playing it and, and talking to people at work and just saying, this is like the best looking console game I've really ever played. Really pretty. It's an amazing, it's incredible looking. You see like all her cuts and scratches and everything right down to her. She's like a sheet of sweat and like <coughs> yeah. the dirt changes as you play. Yeah, like, so there's a lot of attention Everything to feels real. It's not like Lara, you know, where she would just have the blue tank top and no matter what happened, she had this perfect blue tank top and these <laughs> Matrix sunglasses. And it's like, hey guys, and everything was fine no matter what. This is like, you know, she's got blood all this. Certain, there's a part in the game where she's literally covered in blood. Yep. Just, Crawling through guts and stuff like that. So. She goes through hell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's a great ride though. Yeah. Oh yeah. It is. Um, yeah. Uh, we we all really love the game. So like the, these deaths are in the game, uh, but obviously, I, I think people will be talking about it. But obviously, even if you think their inclusion was questionable, you guys still really love the game. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. So yeah. Uh, Tomb Raider's out now. You guys should definitely play it. We were just talking about how good it looks. I haven't even seen it on PC yet. Uh, I really need to want to check that out because yeah. it's amazing on consoles. I imagine it looks even better on uh, yeah, uh, Brian says there's a new hair engine. Yeah, the new hair, hair engine. Individual <laughs> hair. So, yes, Multiple hair engines. Thanks a lot, guys. Uh, we'll be talking a lot more about Tomb Raider here on IGN, and we'll be having a lot more video game discussions right here on GameScoop very soon. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to IGN GameScoop. I'm your host, Damon Hatfield. This is Justin Davis. Hello. That's Greg Miller. Hi. And making his first GameScoop appearance is Dan Stapleton. Is that why I'm last? Yes. yes. Right. We saved. Welcome. The your life will never be the same. What's Dan, your Twitter? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Dan is a reviews editor here at IGN, and he's reviewing SimCity, a game that launched almost a week ago. It had a silky smooth launch, <laughs> no issues whatsoever. Sarcasm. Yeah. Uh, no, the uh, the server issues that have been plaguing everyone are they're, they're well documented now at this point. You all have been playing the game. Uh, so today I wanted to focus on, you guys were having a conversation this morning about just sort of some of the other problems with the game, more gameplay related. Right. Uh, I thought it'd be interesting to delve into some of those. Greg. Yeah. Why don't you start us off? What's your big gameplay issue with SimCity? Well, you know, we did the live stream. We Nine did. hours of SimCity <laughs> I played here. It was, it was a dream come true. I've been waiting for SimCity a long time. I do love SimCity, but I, I finally come to grips with the fact that I am I do wish the cities were bigger. This was a complaint coming in for a long time, a worry for a lot of people, that, oh, the cities are so small, they're so small, and we get to play in little bursts, and it would be like, well, they say that once we hit you know max city size, you'll be able to link them up to different cities, and you'll have all these things that'll work in conjunction with each other, and it'll be great. And that stuff is cool when it works, it's been weird, hit or miss lately. I can't connect certain things to roads. I can't. I can't explain why students aren't going where they should be going, even though they should be going there. Damon, that's annoying. Mm. But in the long run, I think it would have been nicer just to be able to make one giant city like you used to do in SimCity 2000 and have different districts of the same city and different. You know, there's there's certain like on the maps. There's there's one in particular on the 16 city map where it's a mountaintop where you could put maybe a power plant in a little bit and then just a giant drop off to like a, a sliver of land. It's like, what the hell was that? What, what am I ever gonna build there? Why was this even here? And because the terrain's not editable, you're, you're that's right? just wasted space. Exactly. Right. I mean, the big thing about the, the small cities is even if they did work perfectly, which 
they're not right now. Yeah. It's not a substitute for having one big giant city. Like you still end up repeating. I've started lots of cities now, and I've done like some idyllic residential ones and some like dirty industrial ones. But you have to end up following the same steps over and over again. Like it, you end up repeating the same steps over and over again when you have these small city sizes. You know, every city is gonna need certain things, so you end up plopping. You know the same fire department over and over again. Right, because same. eventually coverage gets to be a big deal, right? right? That even if cars are, I mean, I, I I've had good luck with buying water or buying power sure. when this is all working, but even then, eventually you get to this part where you need a power plant and you need yeah. to have your own fire department to get everybody there. It is nice. I mean, it's definitely a leg up to start. Like, I usually would have one like ghetto city that would be like a feeder for my nice city. I'm sure. like, I don't want them to have to have a coal power plant, so I'm going to put all the pollution in one city and like feed it. To another city, but once it gets big enough, it has to end up having its own power plant anyway. Right. So it can kind of give you a leg up at the start. But you know, I'm I've been playing SimCity for four days now, and I'm already annoyed by the small city sizes for sure. Yeah. Well, let, let me jump in here because like the, the biggest thing that that bothers me about it is the is the fact that if it were working properly, if those intercity connections were working properly, smaller cities would be a, a much smaller deal. Or, you know, no pun intended. But it's, <laughs> it wouldn't it wouldn't be nearly as big a deal because you you don't you wouldn't need to have a power plant in every city. You could mm -hmm. build a nuclear power plant in one city and, and expand on that, and that would be more than enough power for several cities. Yeah. So you would not need that, but the fact that it's so unreliable right now, I can't depend on it. Like, if, if, I, if I have two cities running side by side, and one of them runs out of power, I can jump over to the other city and build more power, and in theory, that should power the first city. Um, but it just doesn't work all the time. Like, I'll, I'll, I've done that. I've like built, yeah. I built extra facilities in one, one city, then jumped right back over the other one, and there's still no more power. Um, and I so just, you're saying if, let's say there were no server issues at all, everything was super smooth, like does the city size, is it too small for you, or are you okay with it? I, I mean, it's not ideal by any means. Like, I, I, would, I would love at least to have the option of making a big city. Right. Well, it was a design choice, right? It was. Because uh, well, they want this to be more about a, a multiplayer game. They want this right? to be online multiplayer. See, but yeah. that's, that's what they keep saying. Like, they're like, oh, we made the decision to make the small cities, and I don't know that I believe that. Like, I feel like it was, like, you know, SimCity 4, once your city got too big, it would just be a disaster. Like, <laughs> even these supercomputers would have trouble running SimCity 4. Yeah. And right. I think it's that's what they were trying to get away from, is like, this is an advanced simulation so yeah, these small city sizes to ensure computers Well, that's the whole thing with, the, right. yeah, with, the, with their move to glass box, right? right? The fact that you can zoom in and follow a sim on its daily life. And then, I think, yeah, that's what they're talking about. Is if you expand that, extrapolate that out to a right. giant SimCity 2000 city, there's no way you'd be able to keep up. It well, would, that's, not, that's not true. Like, I have a no core, way. I have a Core <laughs> i7 processor in my yeah. machine. That will, will handle it. I at least. That means. I was like, yeah, is that a PS2? Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a six-core CPU. It's, it's, it's got the muscle to handle this. The reason that these are small is because they have a base spec uh -huh. that, that has, to, has to handle this game. They have to say, you know, this, this, if you have this kind of computer, it will run fine. And that, they can't have it just be the, the people with, with the high-end processors in it. It has to have a, a, a broader spectrum of people. Like Scott Lowe was running... Uh, SimCity on a on a Microsoft Surface Pro, right. which is you know it's yeah. got Intel 4000 graphics in it. It's not not super hand and super high end or anything, but but it was running. Yeah, uh, I mean, I wish we had the option to like if you are someone that has a really badass gaming PC, um, you know, let people build a bigger city. Put a warning in front of it, like hey, like when you have 300,000 citizens, this might not run very well. Do you want to do this anyway? And then. Yeah. You know, give people a choice, and for most people, maybe yeah, the smaller cities are fine. And that, that's kind of a, a, a consequence. The, the only reason we, we can't do that is because of this always on, on online requirement. Yeah. Uh, like you could do it, you could just mod it. Like modders would have fixed this by now. Yeah. Um, but the fact that it's an always online game prevents them from going in and tinkering. So Dan, what's your what would you say your main problem with the gameplay in SimCity is? Um, 
Well, I mean, the, the, that that connectivity issue is is yeah. the is the biggest killer for me right now. Um, it's it's it just breaks the the entire design that that has this, this these module special modular specialized cities. I guess another another one uh, since we already talked about that would be uh, the resource economy. Uh, I think doesn't really isn't a good fit for SimCity. Like the trading, the coal right. so, and the metals so you, and yeah. So if, if you don't know, you, you go in and, and each of these maps has a random set of like coal, oil, uh, ore, ore, and and uh, you know there's also water, which is finite as well. But um, you can go in and you if you can extract these resources and you can refine them and sell them, and that will completely replace the need for tax income. So you know it, it's not, I have nothing against trading sims in general or you know these these kind of economic games, but. Uh, that's not something that a mayor does. Like that's not. <laughs> this is you know. Let's let's get let's get uh, let's get Colin Moriarty in here and explain to us that, that government shouldn't be running businesses. Like that's not that's not what I think of. It's as, a state-sponsored coal yeah, mine. It's true. <laughs> it's like if this is a Chinese city, fine. But whoa. Yeah, and sure. like a, a bunch a bunch of a bunch of governments are are you know more socialist than ours and, and will own and operate these businesses. But yeah, I just, it annoys me that I, I farm all this coal out of there and I'm like, yeah, we'll export it, but keep enough to run your city. And they don't do that. Yeah. Well, they I, export it, they sell it all, and they're like, we're out of coal, for, we got nothing, we're, we're out of power. It's like, you, God, freaking yeah. idiots, just save a little bit. You no, don't I haven't enough. had that problem. It, it, it's worked very smooth for oh, me. Okay. You don't have enough fine grain control over how the trading works. And Dan's absolutely right that I have one city that loses... I think ten or twelve thousand is simoleons. The yeah, money. yeah, yeah, yeah. It loses like twelve thousand simoleons every single tick. So the money, the, you know, the city is losing money like crazy, but it makes it back by trading. You know, I'm importing. And that doesn't the, show up in your budget. Well, no, it, it doesn't it, show up. I mean, you can it does, see it. it doesn't. Sure, but I mean, it, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's not. It's it, not. It shows up. me as losing money. And if you're in the right. region view, it's like this city is bankrupt. But then I have millions of simoleons because I have a trade. I'm importing coal and uh, ore, refining it into alloy, and then selling that alloy at a profit. And so then it's like, well, I could put taxes down to zero. Like, it wouldn't matter. Like, if the whole idea is to run, like, a fiscally responsible city, you can get around that with the trading system, for sure. Which you were saying earlier, your main problem is with something with the roads. Yeah, so there's, there, it's just finicky how they work, how you place them. That has this system where there's these snap grids. So um, if you, like, run your mouse over a road, it'll tell you where you need to put the road, like, the next road over to give you some idea of how far apart they need to be. But, like... Sometimes they snap and sometimes they don't snap. And if you're trying to do curvy roads, funky things happen. And trying to this interferes with the previous intersection. It's like right. that's what yeah. roads do. <laughs> yeah. I'm the mayor. I'm telling you to put the road there. Like there's all kinds of weirdness with the roads. That I, first I like the snap system a lot. I'm like this is handy. I can lay things out quickly. But the more I sort of dive into the minutia of the game, like you know, you can't upgrade roads to avenues. That's and the worst. That's, that's yeah. so annoying. Yeah. yeah. That, and, they, and I sort of understand why because the avenues take up more space. Sure. But like you know, it's just. I spend more time negotiating my, oh, this road curved slightly and I didn't yep. want it to, I want it to go straight. Like, that's what I spend the bulk of my time doing, which just isn't fun. You know, that, that game is very polished and smooth and, like, it's got this good flow to it, except when it comes to, like, you know, laying down roads. Well, you're talking about how it pops up with the grid lines and stuff. Yeah. It's one of those things where if you were to go in one direction the whole time, no problem, and yeah. it would give you the perfect lines. But when you start at the other action, you're like, you know, usually what I do is I break industrial and residential, right? Sure. So I have two things going. When I try to come back, and then I'll be, getting, match up. I'll be getting double lines. They'll be right next to each other. You'll put one down. You'll put people in. No one will build behind the buildings you have because they can't yeah. expand. It's like, man... And, and, and you wonder why you have traffic problems. You got yeah. all, all, your, all your jobs over here, all your residents over here. That'll, that'll mess you up. We, uh, how this works, so just so you know, is like I said, you place a road and it'll tell you, okay, you need to place the next road this far over. 
But if you start roads on your own, like in another section of the map, and then when those two come together, then you got grid lines all over the place trying yep. to, you know, you don't know where you're supposed to put roads, and like the guides are all messed up. I miss the old, like the old gridded out <laughs> map of, yeah. you know, 2000 yeah. or whatever. And I, I would say that the road tools are useful for like broad strokes, but not for right. fine tuning. Sure, you, exactly. you can't fine tune. Trying to connect a train station? Oh, That's man. a nightmare. Jesus uh, and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and we, I should say, like, this game has me under its spell. I was like, going to say, right? So that's what I want. I wanted to end Weird. on, like, a more right. positive note. Like, obviously, a lot, there's been a lot of complaints about SimCity recently, but overall, you guys are, you guys have a positive yeah. uh, takeaway from the game, right? Right, I definitely yeah. do. I mean, I have real complaints. Like, everything that I just said is totally legitimate, but I played SimCity all weekend. Like, that's yeah. all I did, and so this is the result. These are the complaints of someone that probably put eight hours, two days in a row into the game, and it's like, well... After 16 hours, I'm starting to see some things that maybe I'm not too wild about. Well, I mean, that's we always want to pick. We always pick apart stuff we love, yeah. right? Of like, oh man, it's great, but this, this, and you know, what I mean, like, there, we could sit here and talk for hours about the things we love about SimCity. There's so many things. I, I mean, like those nine hours again were just perfect. I would love <laughs> to do that again and do when the servers are fixed. Here's what yeah. the next nine hours. I mean, looks there's something like. really special about like plopping down a bunch of residential area and seeing like it just grow up uh, and yeah, build. Exactly. It feels so good. See, you know, like when you drop like the mayor's house and all the smiley faces yeah, go yep. and you see everybody start building. I, I love that that ripple wave as it, yep. as it expands out. Uh, that's that's that just really get you know triggers something in me. It's like oh that's that's great. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I, I probably spent upwards of sixty hours with it Jeez. now. Um, and that's that's even allowing for all the all the server. I was going to say, how much is like, you staring was, at it trying to connect to the server? I, I'm not even counting that in that, yeah. in that number. That's impressive. Um, you know, I, I've been I've been trying to review this all week. It hasn't been easy. Because, yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, I, I I don't regret most of the time I've spent with it. Right. Um, like yeah, it's like when the when the servers were were all messed up, that was that was real bad. But uh, I I've had a, a pretty rewarding time with it overall. Um, and yes, the longer you play it, the the more these these problems are going to become apparent and it stops you from doing the kind of things you want to do. I still haven't been able to build a successful gambling or tourism city because man, I can't do that either. Right there, there's a, there seems to be a bug in there where like every so like it'll work for a while and then uh, not going to work anymore. Just stops. Nobody shows up. So uh, there are there are all these problems where you know I, I want to build new cities and have them be different from my previous cities, but they just don't work right. The launch is so unfortunate. Like you know, EA struggles with its public image yeah. a yeah. lot, right? SimCity is a long, yeah, it's a long-running brand. They reboot it, uh, you know, finally get out the door, and then it's just a disaster. And literally, from like the moment they said it's always online, people know, have been yeah. crying foul that this is DRM stuff yep. and this, that, and the other. It's going to ruin the game, and they're like, nope, nope, no, god damn it. <laughs> and, you know, to, to be fair, I mean, if, if you look back at, at World of Warcraft, for example, that had a terrible sure. launch for months. And, for months, yeah, and it, it recovered because yeah. because it, it you know turned it around, turned it into a, into a really great game. Uh, I, I think. EA and Maxis do, do have a chance to do that here. I mean, that this is like the, the fact that it has you know enraptured us so means that there is there is some some magic to it. It's going mm -hmm. to you know if they can just iron out a lot of these issues, it's gonna it's gonna turn into something great. Um, and the the fact that they are like this is pretty much the only thing Maxis is working on. They've got a full team there right. working on it. Like I, I think there is a very good chance that it will turn around in the in the future. But There's right so now it's just not awesome. So few games where people will sit there and actually again try to reconnect, try to reconnect, try lose all their progress, have to jump to different servers and lose all their friends and all this different and keep coming back. Like is the fact that people are still bitching about it on Twitter, are still riled up about it is a good sign in that the long run. That shows that they care. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Nope. Yeah, nobody. Yeah. Even you know. If I always I always yeah. use the example of the. 
Sorry, I hit the gong. I think it's about time for the show to end. The people that complain about Call of Duty the most are the ones that play Call of Duty the mm -hmm. most, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, uh, you know, for all these belly aching, like SimCity is, um, I don't know if I'd go so far as to say it's a great game, but it's a very, very good game that I'm enjoying a lot despite sort of the finicky issues that I'm having. I, I would say that nobody complains about not being able to play a bad game. Yeah. That's a good that's one. That's good. good. I like that. I think Miyamoto said that. <laughs> uh, Dan, you're finishing up first. for review now. Should be live tomorrow. Yeah, so this actually should be live on IGN uh, by the time this video is up, so uh, make sure you check in to find out our final verdict on SimCity right here on IGN. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to IGN Gamescoop. I'm your host, Damon Hatfield. This is Justin Davis. Not going to say anything. Mitch Dyer and Colin Moriarty. Hello. Everyone's being very silent. Was I supposed to? Sometimes they say hi. Or they hey, say, well, I don't have association, so they know like what you yeah. sound like. I've, I've said for a long time that I want my own like brap rap. But no, I'm not, I want a catchphrase. I need, so I need bad. to like, come up with. It's one. on you to come up with your catchphrase. People don't come yeah. up with catchphrases for you. Yeah. Let's check in with the listeners. Hey, listeners. Hey. Thank you, listeners. Remember, you can always reach us at the email address Gamescoop at IGN.com, just like Big Tony Style did. Yeah, he did. Big, big Tony Style big is a big, big long-time fan. He asks, does the SimCity launch problem impact Sony or Microsoft's potential requirement of having an internet connection to play games on next-gen consoles? In other words, will Sony and Microsoft learn from SimCity? SimCity. Also, Robert Rodriguez is SimCity. I mean, there is a lot to learn What can Sony and Microsoft learn from SimCity, is what you meant to ask. The old uh, IGN trope. Yeah, um, I got it. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm up the speed. IGN headline generator. Yeah. No, so SimCity's launch was a disaster, right? Because there's right. an always Still. online internet connection DRM requirement, and we've heard rumors that next-gen consoles may have that built into the systems. So Big Tony Style is a little bit worried. It would be a disaster if they include that, wouldn't it? Yes, probably. Yeah. Um, a disaster. I think it's. <laughs> you don't think so? <laughs> So I'll here's let him a, go. Here's well, a, <laughs> what? No, no, just I want to hear your explanation. As why well it would be a disaster. Why would it be a disaster? Yeah. Well, you need it would be a, a video after game disaster. You need an explanation. Why it would be on consoles? Because I think the assumption here, for you, I think, is that you are saying that everything will always have this exact same outcome. Is the impression I get? Well, so I don't understand. I don't understand what you're talking about yeah, so, right now. So I'm going to be honest. History with you. shows us that. When a game is launched that requires yeah. an online connection, it is a disaster. But are you, but are you every about time? So why would, that, why would it be different? Why would oh, someone to be like, I, we, we can do it right? So they can go, oh, well, we saw them do that. Let's not do that. Let's do more service. Let's have better support. Let's have let's be better prepared. So Mitch, the, so you don't think the guys that work on SimCity looked at Diablo's disasters launch? Yeah, I think, think they well, did. Well, we can do better than that. Th nope, it's I a disaster. I think they were also. ill prepared. They were not. They did not anticipate the the number of people that were going to smash those servers. Right, so that's my question. It's like, how in the world do you misjudge? So it's not like, oh, I meant to, like, you know, hit this golf ball 100 yards and I went 120. Yeah. Like, they knocked it into, like, next week. They were so wrong with, yeah. like, the number of people that were going to play the game. And that's what I don't get. Like, that's why you look at pre-order data and you look at data, like, traffic data, and you know you generally have a pretty good idea based on social media, based on other things, like, look, this game's going to sell... A million copies, two million copies. Like, you can ballpark it. Right. So how in the world are they like, we need ten times the number of servers so we thought we needed? that's exactly what you do. There was an I saw somebody on Twitter had this anecdote, like, it was a Call of Duty developer, I think, that said 
something about somebody asked them like, oh, so when when you guys launch a game, do what do you do? You just like double it? You expect double the servers? You, or you expect this, so you double it? He's like, no, we do it four times. Like they overcompensate because yeah. from there you can start saying like, okay, we don't need the server, shut it down. But if you're short, then you're screwed, and you do have the disastrous loss. Like part of it is it. Uh, this is getting into the weeds a little bit, but it is a hardware issue where. Like, if you build up all this capacity that you'll only need once at launch. Like, there will never, ever be more people playing SimCity than there were at launch. Like, yeah. it, it falls off from there as people fall off and move on to other games or whatever. Yeah, sure. And so if they don't have the ability to scale up or scale down dynamically... There's probably some exceptions. Like, EVE Online sure, is, sure. is the MMO that keeps yeah, growing. Yeah, I, I guess I shouldn't yeah, say yeah. ever, but generally speaking, like, launch, like that's yeah. your day, right? And so if you don't have the ability to scale up and scale down your capacity uh, dynamically or, like, fluidly... Like then you're putting in all this capacity, spending all this money that you know you're going to be at 10% capacity for the rest of time for that launch spike. And so I think sometimes people just eat. You know, they're like, yeah, we're gonna be we're gonna be messed up for a couple of days. We're gonna be fucked up for a couple of days. Like, and then it's gonna be fine because people are gonna fall off. Like, so Mitch, you you don't you're not concerned. You think SimCity I mean, I am, was just poor planning, and if Microsoft and Sony want to do this with their consoles, they'll they'll be fine. I'm sure the planning was great, but there was just like a couple things that they could have done better, like you know more servers would have been, would have gone a long way. But I think if you're Sony or Microsoft, you're looking at this going, okay, we need to avoid what Diablo did. We need to avoid what happened with SimCity. Um, I mean, even the recent launch of StarCraft, probably comparably big to Diablo, has to be online all the time. No issues at all. See, but they have the experience of the last StarCraft yeah. launch, which was Dicey, and World of Warcraft before yep. that. Like, that's all running yeah, on the back yeah, of Battlefield. Yeah, Battle exactly. Nice. So Blizzard is learning from itself. So I have to imagine that Sony and Microsoft, who are going to launch consoles, which, I mean, if, if they were to make a server that, or X amount of servers that accommodates exactly the number of units they shipped, they'd be fine. But if they are, if they, if they short, you know, if they shortchange themselves, then they're screwed. So this is a, this is a hardware company. They, they this box, like that thing being online, if it is always online, they rely on that for the success of the launch. And if, I, like, I don't know why. But I mean, at the last Xbox 360, the, I mean, they failed. Like, uh, I mean, the systems failed, and they had to sure. eat a lot of money replacing those systems. Yeah, but they knew what was wrong with that console, and they shipped it anyway. Yeah. So with this, I mean, they look at that and they say, okay, we need to not have that happen. Let's overcompensate because if the launch of a console fails because of an always online issue like this, then people look at the console and go, nope, I'm out. But if they see that it works, if they see like, wow, Microsoft is really handling it, the console has no issues being always online, eh, maybe uh, this, this always online business isn't so bad after all. See, that I do agree with, where these companies are hopefully smart enough that they understand that a console represents, you know, six, seven, eight years yeah. of profits for them. Like, you know, it's not, you know, if the, when the new Xbox comes out in 2013 and the new PlayStation come out in 2013, that's not like a 2013 thing for them. That's like a 2017 yeah. thing for them. Like, this is the future of that company, so... <laughs> I think it's worth the investment and the insurance up front to, you know, do their absolute utmost to ensure that, you know, it's not a disaster. They'll have top men on it, Damon. <laughs> Colin Moyarty has been charging up this whole time. Yeah. Powering up. You're about to go Super Saiyan, aren't you? Um, no, no, no. I'd, okay. I'd like to hear your He's thoughts. He's chilling. He's relaxed. I don't know. I think we're asking the wrong question in a way. Like, what's the right question? The DRM doesn't have to be like this. And what I was confused about with SimCity was why they had all the processing being done between the game and the servers creating an unnecessary server load when the game probably could have saved all of this stuff and done it itself and then sent information as needed to the server every few hours or whatever just to kind of ping it to be like, oh, you're playing an authentic version of the game, okay, sign you back off or whatever. If the, the new consoles are not going to be always online. There, there's just no way they're going to do that. I don't that. think they will either. And I don't so, think they will either. Uh, if if they have something like uh, you know a game that, and there are I, I believe that there are I want to say Capcom 
PSN games that must be online, yeah. like Final Fight. I think uh, Final Fight had to be online, but that was just to verify that you were you, you were playing an authentic version of the game. It wasn't sending all of this data to the servers. It wasn't creating this unnecessary load. Well, and there's I two think different, like there's, there's DRM, right, which is a lot of Steam games, single-player Steam mm -hmm. games, you still have to be online, or these Capcom games, and then there's the game design, if it's designed to be, you know, sending packets of data back right. and forth. And there's, the, the point is that there's just no reason for that to happen in a game like SimCity, and really a lot of games, uh, there should, I understand why the, this exists. It's because they want to make money and they want people to verify that they're not pirating the game. That's totally fine and that's going to be acceptable. And I bet you a lot of games do that in the next generation. That will 100% be the norm. But think about this. I mean, God of War Ascension, for instance, comes on PlayStation 3 comes with an online pass. That is essentially some sort of DRM in the sense that you have to go on PlayStation Network, sign in, put your little login, then, and then you can sign back off and, and play your game. And then when you sign back on, it knows that you already did that. Yeah. And so I think that like they just need to find a way to circumnavigate this sort of problem with server load by pinging the, the server only maybe every few hours or for things that are only necessary. Now, obviously, there are going to be games that are online all the time, and that's going to be different. And something like Call of Duty, they compensate for that because they know that that kind of stress is going to be there. The confusing thing about SimCity is that it never needed to happen like that. You know, if people were just queuing up to just ping the server, you know, Origin, to just be like, hey, this is an authentic version of the game, sign back out, next person, like, over and over, there would have been no problems. Well, with we're it. still finding out, like, modders are saying, you know, yeah, you can play SimCity offline, it doesn't actually need to communicate with the server. You know, certain websites have done tests where if you can play offline for up to 20 minutes before it's like, oh, this guy's not online, and then it boots you out. So, you know, SimCity's specific design issues of how much it does need to be sending information to them from the server is still being sorted out. Yeah, and that's and it's 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 arbitrary in, in a sense, just because it. I guess the point I'm making is it doesn't have to be like this. Like, not every example is going to be like SimCity because there are going to be examples in the future where they they verify something very quickly and then let sure. you go. And like the, that, that's totally fine with me. I have no problem with the that. The big question is, and I want to sort of revise or update a stance that I made previously on GameScoop, where I'm like, yeah, I think an always-on console would be cool because it does a lot of cool things. It opens up design doors. Um, Destiny, right? Yeah, like Destiny is the yeah. example of like that's awesome, and like stuff like that is awesome. You know, I really like the way that community is baked into Battle.net games. Like I can chat with my friend in World of Warcraft when I'm in StarCraft. Like stuff like that's great. You can do that with an always-on console. And so I'm like, yeah, I think I'm fine with them. But the, the issue that I'm dealing with now in the wake of SimCity and other problems is why does it need to be baked into like the console itself? Like, mm -hmm. What advantage does that give you versus doing it on a game-by-game -game basis? Like, Destiny will be always online. You'll be forced to be online whether the Xbox is forced to be always online or not. Like, Why can't you leave it up to each game developer and I'm like, someone put that to me in the comments. They're like, oh, Justin, like, why didn't you think about this? And I'm like, yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah, and it, like, the gameplay and social possibilities that you, you mentioned are exciting, but what people are finding with SimCity is they still want to be able to just play a solo, a single-player yeah. game on their own, you know, yeah. not connected they to any network. They want to have their city. They don't yeah. need yeah, they to just want to, like, stuff. play a game not connected to any sort yeah. of server. Yeah, when, like, when, I, when I found out, because I was excited about SimCity. It was the first yeah. game since Civ 5 on PC. Though. I was like, I think I'm going to play this. I'm going to jump in this game. And I started watching and playing attention. I'm like, this doesn't look fun to me. Like this isn't what SimCity was to me, and so yeah. I don't want I don't want to play it. But the DRM thing really sealed it for me. Not that it exists, but that they botched it so badly. And yeah. So I spoke with my model. I'm but not it, buying this game. It's about, but that's like no one would say, "Oh, I wish I could play World of Warcraft offline." Like it just needs to be. Like it yeah. makes sense when it's baked into the design of the product itself, and if sure. it feels like gamers can sense if it's half-assed or if it feels half-assed, even if, if even if they don't articulate it that way, yeah. um, you know that's why people are like, oh, I wish I could play SimCity offline. It's because the online isn't compelling enough like it is in a proper MMO. I think you're totally right. It is going to be dependent on software and not the hardware. Because if you look at, even now, 
we see Live go down, we see PlayStation Network go down, whether it's because of hackers, whether it's because of maintenance, whether it's because of an update, sure. all of this stuff happens. If a console goes offline for whatever reason, suddenly that those millions of people cannot access their console. That is a that's a brick. Yeah, there's there's no nothing way. they can do. Like what no sense does that make? Exactly. Yeah. There's, there's no way there's no way that they're gonna do something like that. But I really do think that they're going to start to get around the use game problem and all that stuff by making you sign in to verify that the game's real once. And then yeah. it'll be locked somehow to your console, maybe in the future, especially with PSN games and XBLA games, I think they'll do that. And certainly with discs in the future. But again, I think I think we're asking the wrong question just because I don't think it has to look like this sure. to, for it to work and for it to do the same exact thing. That's why I think it wasn't Maxis. It was EA's really, that was their blunder. I'm, I'm you sure. know, it was their blunder. Yeah. Um, I mean, people, yeah. we, again, we still are learning, you know, SimCity is an evolving story. But I mean, what I've heard is that it was Maxis. Like, it was their game design Everyone's blaming EA. Like Everyone's blaming EA, and I heard it, like the scuttlebutt is that it wasn't EA. It mm -hmm. was Maxis. Mm -hmm. But we don't know. That's all speculation. It's a good question. Uh, we have another email today from Teddy, or Shroomy, as his friends call him. He says, just, just, I just, see the connection. <laughs> <laughs> just started watching the show. Love it. Wish it was a daily show. Maybe, maybe someday, Shroomy. Uh, my question to you all is, if you had to choose, what would be your... Favorite all-time game console, all-time favorite game franchise, and all-time favorite game. Top to bottom. Uh, maybe uh, as recent as a year ago, I would have said the Xbox 360 was my all-time favorite console. It's, it's gotten clunkier uh, in recent times. I don't know, it just seems like everything I do with it takes a long time. Loading a game, backing out of a game. Uh, like I mean, connecting to Netflix, it's just like it's starting to feel kind of old and sluggish. Yeah. And I liked the menu layout much better a couple of years ago before the redesign, before when you could actually find games on the service. But I still love the controller and, and whatnot. But now I'd probably go back to the NES being my favorite game console of all time. Good times on that NES. We can, we, maybe we'll just start with consoles. Okay. Justin says he doesn't have a favorite con game console of all time. Uh, that seems weird. I, I understand like the uh, wanting to be agnostic and stuff and to not have favoritism, but do you not have one you're like, this is where I have the most amazing memories with? Uh, well, like the moment that I decided like I think I want to do video games for a living was the Nintendo 64, like playing a lot of that generation. I was a teenager. I was starting to be you know more social and have friends over to my house. I guess I played NES and Super Nintendo with friends too, but like I was old enough that like this was a thing that we did like socially as a group. A lot of Goldeneye, um, mm -hmm. you know, Mario 64 was a revelation for me. Like the first time you ran around, like I didn't do anything in that game for like that whole evening. Like that was an incredible experience, just like running around and discovering. Um, you know, jumping into trees and a one-up comes out and just running in circles. Like, mm -hmm. that's such a huge leap that we're never going to get again from, you know, what was the game I would have been playing before Mario 64? Um, you know, Yoshi Island, I guess, on the Super yeah. Nintendo. Like, that to Mario 64, it was incredible. It is. So I don't know, like, I have a lot of problems with the N64, right? And that's why I don't want to call it, like, my favorite console. But many, many hours playing, like, the, the dark bots in Perfect Dark and being terrified because they're so fast and accurate. I love Perfect Dark, man. Uh, Mitch, I love the Xbox 360. Yeah. That's my favorite by far. Mm -hmm. Not only because it has like it has a bunch of my favorite franchises, like it has Assassin's Creed, it has Mass Effect, it has Gears of War, it has Halo, which is great. But it also has like that connection to the past, so I can go back and I can play Prince of Persia Classic for like that that old old school experience. I can play Bionic Commando Rearmed to play like a remake of one of my favorite games ever. Sure. And then there are direct ports of like old games that I like, like Ninja Turtles 2. Like I love that game on the NES, and I can play it on my Xbox. That's awesome. That makes that console so valuable to me. Colin. Gotta be the NES. Yeah, SNES would be a close second. I would say. Yeah, yeah but, uh, NES for sure. Like, we'll probably never see another game library 
as strong as the NES. No, I mean, I mentioned makes a powerful argument that I was thinking about that with PS3. Like, I really love the PlayStation Three. Like, I sure. really do. It's a great console and it has this connection to the past. Yep. And the Wii is the same thing with the yep. with the virtual, virtual console, console. and yeah. all that. But in terms of like nostalgic value, in terms of that controller just being comfortable, I mean, obviously the GameCube is my favorite controller personally. But uh, what? Yeah, no, that's a great controller. It's a great controller. Yeah. Pause. What? Yeah, what? They, yeah, I love those. That C stick. Just the, the garbage. Form, form it was a double out. analog stick. Yeah. Every button's a different yeah. shape. I don't. <laughs> no, I really, really like the triggers on yeah. that. Oh, all right. Good. But anyway, I don't, okay. don't want to get they in the weeds on down. I, I, That's fine. Just when I think about like my ten favorite games of all time, when I really like think about it, at least half of them are NES games, and so yeah, you know, it's got to be the NES. That controller felt so good. It does. It still feels good. Like it even does. when I play, it just still, there's no buttons that feel that good. I've been playing Mega Man in Castlevania for you know commentaries here at IGN, and I've been playing on weeks. It's just easier to capture, and it just doesn't feel it doesn't have that t- same tactile control. It probably shaves like a minute and a half off my playtime just playing on that. How control. crazy is it that the Wii D-pad is not as good as the NES NES D-pad? There is no D-pad as good as the NES D-pad. Like what the fuck? Like <laughs> that's you, you'd think you'd have that nailed by now. Yeah. Oh well. Um, so franchise. Before we bounce, favorite franchise and favorite game within that franchise. I'd is it within say, the franchise, or is it a favorite game of all time? See, that's a separate question. I'm, see, I'm getting this is I don't a lot know, are to. They connected? I mean, I have he just says answers. favorite game, but um, I don't know. You, it, it would be so. Your favorite game isn't a part of your favorite franchise. Correct. No. Okay. Yeah, uh, we'll allow it. We'll allow it. Me, I'd say the Half-Life series is my favorite franchise. I, you know, Portal sort of is in the same universe, so I throw that in there too. But probably like Half-Life Two, Episode Two is probably my favorite game experience of all time. Yeah, for sure. Super Metroid is my favorite game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like the perfect mixture of exploration, like exploring the game systems and exploring the game world. Like they marry together in like such a perfect way. Um, you know, you have so much freedom. It was a game where you didn't know what was around the next corner. Like you had no idea that before you'd. This is also before the internet, so I don't know if the game would have the same impact. But like you would get upgrades, like the jumping morphing ball, and you know, new beam upgrades that you just had. You would never know what to expect. We've talked about this before, Damon. Now when I play games, I feel like maybe I'm just older and more jaded, but I can kind of know where a game's going before I even know where it's going. And with Super Metroid, you definitely didn't. And you were much younger. Well, that, that's true. So I don't, know, I don't know. I don't know. Naive days. Yeah, but yeah. nostalgia counts, right? Like, yeah, so that's true. that's true. Maybe it is because I was younger, but that's just how I feel. Metal Gear Solid is my favorite franchise. I love those games. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm the only person in the IGN office who is like, yeah, Metal Gear Solid 4, that score IGN gave it, totally good. <laughs> I love, love, love that series. Everything about, like, it's, it's fiction, it's nonsense, it's characters are crazy, and I love all of that. Um, and I, I, just, I, I love totally stuff. Yeah, uh, sure. But my favorite game of all time is Far Cry 2. Mm. I love the, the exploration no, of that game. I love not a popular choice. Oh, definitely not. But I love the the tension and fear of that game. Like everywhere you go is scary because you are you're just this lone mercenary playing two sides against each other in like this weird civil war arms race, and it's it's really really a frightening game. It's like you don't think about Far Cry as a scary game. It's like open world first person shooter. But like for me, that game is a horror game. Interesting, Colin. I gotta say, Mega Man's my favorite franchise, but specifically the NES Mega Man's and the Super Nintendo Mega Man's. Um, and what about nine and ten? Yeah, not 9 and 10, of course. Yeah, those are good. Those are good as well. Great. Uh, Mega Man 3 is my favorite game of all time. Although I have to uh, give special, very heartfelt and, and warm shout-outs to Castlevania 3, mm-hmm. Wild Arms, Tales of Destiny. Ooh, Wild Six. Arms. Wow. Yeah, Resistance 3, actually, is probably my favorite game of the generation. So. Nice. Really? Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, it's, it's our, we are so stuck in nostalgia that there are a lot of good games that have come out the last five years, too. Yeah. Shroomy shares his own favorites. His favorite consoles are a tie between Nintendo 64 and PS2. Fine choices. Favorite franchise, Legend of Zelda. Favorite game, Ocarina of Time. Mm. Totally, totally solid choices. Mm-hmm. 
Thanks guys, that's it for today. Uh, remember you can always reach us at the email address gamescoop at IGN.com. Stay tuned for more scoops soon right here at IGN. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.